Thanks for listening to the Jazz Joe All Show podcast. Today on the pod, Mayor Ken Sim moves to abolish the elected park board. Is it the right thing to do? Plus, isn't the park board no different than university student politics? Lots of noise with very little getting done. And as the chattering classes debate the park board, what about the massive property tax increase Vancouver taxpayers keep getting hit with? When does that end? Plus, we look at how a crime group in India is attempting to extort Vancouver families. That's all next on the Jazz Joe Hall Show podcast. It's Wednesday, December 6th. Welcome to the Jazz Joe Hall Show. Thanks for joining us. Let's get to our top story. Mayor Ken Sim is moving forward to eliminate the 135-year-old Vancouver Park Board. Uh, Sim said a motion will be brought to council next week to ask the province to amend the Vancouver Charter, and to effectively bring Parks and Rec services under the oversight of City Council. Now, Sim said the change would ensure uh, long-term viability and growth of Parks and Rec services in the current system of management just doesn't work, and that the move would ring Vancouver in line with every single city in North America except for Minneapolis. Now, Sim says he doesn't see people clamoring to institute an elected park board uh, in any of these cities. Here is Mayor Ken Sim from this morning's press conference. You could literally drop seven superstars into that uh, process. Still doesn't work. The structure is broken. And so let me give you an example. When you have more than one person or one group accountable for anything, no one's accountable. We have two groups. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work. And so that's why, you know, it's hard to see who has jurisdiction over what. That's why they're squabbling at a bunch of different things. Even the Auditor General mentioned that, you know, the, the long-term strategic objectives of the Park Board aren't in complete alignment with the city's objectives. We're talking about a structural issue here. That is Mayor Ken Sim uh, speaking earlier uh, this morning. Now, three ABC commissioners, Angela Hare, Jazz Verdi, and Mary Claire Howard, attended the, the news conference at City Hall this morning. Uh, ABC commissioners Laura Christensen posted a message on Twitter uh, earlier today saying she and fellow ABC commissioner Scott Jensen and Brennan Bastiavansky have been removed from ABC. Well, joining me now is Brennan Bastiavansky. Uh, Bastiavansky. And I want to clarify one thing before we start because some are saying former ABC, current ABC, you're technically the chair of the Vancouver Park Board. I want to clarify that, Brennan. Uh, yeah, thanks, Jazz. Um, I am the independent uh, park board chair for the independent park board. <laughs> independent park board. Okay. So let's start from the very basics here. When did you learn about this change? Uh, the Which change are you talking about? You well, know? just the announcement that the, the move was going to occur, uh, where the mayor was going to go to the provincial government, or at least introduce a motion uh, to eliminate the, to the board. Uh, well, rumors were swirling yesterday about uh, what was going on, which was a surprise uh, to the uh, to the commissioners because uh, the ABC commissioners weren't uh, notified uh, about what was happening. So this whole process has been going on for a couple of months, mm-hmm. and uh, and a- ABC commissioners were kept in the dark. You were kept, they were kept in the dark. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and do you know when the councillors that did attend the press conference, when they were notified that they were allowed to come? or well, How did that process work? The fact that you you weren't there, two other of your colleagues weren't there. How did that process work? You know what? I have no idea. Uh, so this has all been done uh, behind closed doors. Uh, so I've not had any contact with any of the uh, councillors, the ABC councillors. So I actually have no idea when they were told uh, to turn their back on Park Board. Um. 
Did you watch the press conference this morning? Well, I actually had uh, another press conference, a counter press conference. You know, people in Vancouver love a protest, right? Yeah. Uh, and I was up at Bloedel uh, Conservatory this morning uh, talking about it from the uh, park board chair perspective. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the Bloedel Conservatory was, uh, was chosen as a location because it's one of the, one of the spaces in the city uh, that the that council actually wanted to shut down. And uh, because, you know, the uh, park board allows the small voices in Vancouver to be heard, that it was one of the places that was actually saved from council's wrecking ball. What brought this on? I know I heard of all the, the mayor's um, uh, complaints. I heard, I heard them this morning live. Uh, and, you know, you could argue, you could, someone could make that argument about the park board uh, a year ago uh, or six years ago. That's sort of something that's ongoing. But what in your mind sort of convinced him, do you think, that this is the course of action now. Well, it's it's really odd that the timing the timing it just seems super suspicious. Like, uh, you know, first we uh, get uh, Ken, you know, makes a makes a statement that he's going to abolish the park board. Then he does a backflip, uh, and then he's not, and now he's back again. So I mean, he goes from doing chin ups, and now he's doing backflips. So you know, he's obviously spent some time at our community centers, uh, practicing his tumbling. Um, but the the thing is, like we've the park board's not been given any time, right? In the, in the last year, there've been huge improvements within park board. The mm-hmm. fields are being maintained. There's more garbage cans out there. Uh, we're getting awesome feedback from the community centers that they're they're being heard, and a lot of people are out there meeting commissioners for the very first time. Uh, so you've got a very active group of uh, of commissioners uh, that really care about the park system. Uh, I joined because I care about, uh, you know, amongst other things, uh, sports fields and creating safe space for queer kids in sports. And that was why I joined. And I, I was promised that, that would, I would have the turn to be able to do that and to make an impact, uh, finding fields, uh, adding lights, you know, I- improving infrastructure, mm-hmm. all those types of things. And in the last year, we've had lots of success. We've been able to uh, get uh, millions of dollars pumped into uh, improving uh, little league ball diamonds, uh, improving like grass and rugby fields. We've got uh, uh, an A-grade athletic uh, uh, like track and field center being set up. We've got uh, lights going on at turf fields, as well as you know stuff like dog parks and you know all the other. So stuff. in your mind, you're getting things done. Stuff that doesn't make the news, but you're getting the, the the stuff that actually makes a difference. You're getting those things done. We're getting things done, and the sentiment in the city is that Park Board is in a turnaround phase, and so you can see it the sentiment that are out there. Now there is crumbling infrastructure for sure. But like when uh, when the when someone says, "Oh, we don't know who's responsible for that," well, the park board is underfunded by twenty million dollars a year, and uh, and that's from council. So council over time, not this not this council, uh, but other councils and other mayors have eroded uh, the budgets for the park board over time. And the thing is, is like when you look at the current council, you've got an eighteen percent property increase in the last two years. And like none of it or almost none of it is earmarked for parks. I mean, just judge them by their actions. Like how much do they care? They would have, uh, they would have thrown, uh, thrown the park board at least some money for some of the, the, the unfunded projects that we want to do. So let's talk about the Stanley Park train. We've also got the bike lanes in, in, in Stanley Park. Uh, the train is up, uh, one train. I know there's going to be more. There's money there. Um, and, the, and of course, it's still when we talk about bike lanes, that is still very contentious. But do you think that was still a solvable issue, both of them? I know you got the train running this year, but it was going to be around long term, number one. And the other bicycle, the bicycle lane issue, you feel that would have been solved over the longer term as well. 
Uh, well, the, uh, the, the bike lane, the temporary bike lane in Stanley Park, there was a number of us that advocated that, yes, you should remove the temporary nature of the bike lane. And there was opportunity for really low cost to improve safety for both cyclists and, and, and uh, cars that wouldn't impact traffic. And, uh, you know, and, and council and the mayor, like, didn't, they didn't want us to look at that option. They wanted to go back to bare bones, regardless of, of what it actually meant for the people using the park. And so you get stuff like that where the... Uh, uh, and that's the risk of having uh, decisions made at, count, at council and city hall is that they're not close enough to the people that actually use these uh, bike lanes, these aquatic centers, these fields, these beaches, um, because they're spending so much time with developer, developers, they're dealing with zoning, they're dealing with construction and trying to solve the housing crisis. You know, if we were to compare like apples for apples, which, you know, the uh, which a government body has actually made more progress in the last year towards their objectives. The park board comes out head like and shoulders above where council is. Where is that 3331 project? You know, like these types of things we're now told it's not even going to happen in the second term. And so this is a bait and switch where the uh, where uh, park board is on the right track and you've got the commissioners there that care that are close to the people. They're out there, they're um, playing in sports, they're at the aquatic centers, they're riding their bikes, they're visiting gardens, you know, they're helping like remove invasive species. And that's what commissioners are meant to do, right? They want to know exactly what is it like sitting in a, in a dog park? Like, uh, what are the things that you, and the details that you need? Having that sent up to council means that you're going to lose that small voice for democracy here in Vancouver. The park board is a huge part of what makes Vancouver so special and why people visit and why people want to live here. And when you take away that protection for all the green spaces, you're, you're going to erode that. Welcome back to the show. If you're just joining us, we are speaking to Brennan uh, Bastiovansky, uh, independent Vancouver Park Board Commissioner. I said that right, didn't I? You did, yeah. <laughs> there you go. It's going to take a little while. So much has occurred today. Uh, Brennan, we were talking a little bit about what Park Board does that's different from what councillors do. Um, speak to me a little bit about, you know, if community groups come forward to the Park Board uh, when they have concerns, what may what can what would you say to a taxpayer? Say why should a commissioner handle that when a city councillor could do that? What what is what are your concerns in regards to just to that granular local connection that you think the Park Board provides? So the focus for the uh, the, the Park Board commissioners is on the Parks and Rec, right? So it's. While it is like a, it seems like a narrow scope, like it's easy to spend 10, 20, 30 hours a week as a commissioner, not just in board meetings, but actually going out and meeting the community, going to community centers, uh, going to uh, aquatic centers, going out to sports fields, like talking to like, you know, um, senior centers that might be on the grounds or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, and so they, so they're rare, they spend a lot of time like out in the field talking to people and, and, and it's all sorts of like how they access services, bike lanes and sports fields and what have you and forests and gardens. Um, and councillors really don't don't have that time. Like you can see that there's a there's a housing crisis at the moment. There's affordability issues. They're trying to right the ship, trying to get play this you know bring back swag or oh, yeah an awful term. Um, but they're trying to you know they're trying to make the place exciting to to live. And it's really about the the commissioners having that special that, that specialization to go and go and spend time uh, talking to people. So they have a they have a much better understanding of the needs of the community and what what they need like uh, in terms of like access to uh, to sports and gardens and, and parks and stuff like that. So it, 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 you think that 
when counselors will be looking at this stuff, making the decisions, it could get politicized more so than, let's say, a commissioner? Uh, yeah, the risk there is that it, it would be controlled simply by a single uh, person, um, which would which would erode a lot of the, like if that was to happen, that means like all, the, all those uh, barriers that, that are currently in place to make sure that we follow a process, they get, they get ignored. But what would, what would you say to those who argue that, look, uh, most municipalities in this country have a parks department. They already handle the work. So why can't mm-hmm. Vancouver do what other municipalities do? Right. I mean, that, that's a, that is a great question. And it keeps coming up. The thing is, how many municipalities have Stanley Park? How many of them have 44 kilometers of seawall? Uh, how many of them have number of beaches and golf courses and forests and all that type of stuff and marinas? Like none. The reason why Vancouver is so unique is because of the park port. That's what, so when you talk about performance, Stanley Park has been protected from developers for 135 years. Uh, the, the whole West End waterfront is, um, is park board land because uh, the, the city didn't get an opportunity to sell, uh, sell condos there. Like, that's why we have access to the waterfront all over the city. If you look at Toronto, Toronto has, uh, along the lake, you've got a 20-story uh, fence around it, which is all the, uh, all the apartments. So if you drive by in the Gardner Expressway, you can't even tell there's a body of water there. And I'm sure Vancouver does not want that. Um, and so the, the importance of the, the park board is to be able to, like, get close to the community, understand what they want. And, and some of the focus that we, that we have at Park Board is about accessibility. It's about truth-telling and, and reconciliation. It's about biodiversity. All these things are, are not uh, on council's radar. Do you have faith in Ken Sim as a leader for the city? Uh, uh, maybe ask me a different question. Uh, look, um, when I met Ken, uh, I was impressed, Right. He's a business guy. I'm a business guy. You know, I, I had faith in him. And he looked me in the eye and, and, and he, he made a promise that I'd be able to finish my term as a commissioner. That he had, he had uh, walked back that whole thing about uh, abolishing the park board. And I, you know what? I believed him. And I, I feel like an idiot for, for believing him. And I'm heartbroken that not only did Ken uh, do a backflip uh, on that, uh, but he's forcing the, the ABC councillors to do it too. And so uh, I, I'm, I'm, I am, like, it's just unconscionable that, the, uh, that they would do that. And so I feel really betrayed, and I know a lot of people in the city feel that way as well. He's going to ask council to vote, and he still has a majority. Do you think all the ABC councillors there are supportive of him? Look, the, the, uh, the short answer is they'll vote uh, along the way, but I don't think they're actually like the idea. A lot of them felt really uncomfortable being put in that position. Mm-hmm. And so this could splinter the party. Um, and the thing is, like, the councillor, the ABC councillors don't have to vote for the, the mayor's motion on December 15th. Uh, the city has an opportunity to email and call each of the ABC councillors and tell them to honour their promise, keep them accountable uh, to what they campaigned on. And they all campaigned on the single promise that the park board would remain independent. And the thing is, we've been, the park board's been given just over a year. It took us that long to get the Auditor General report. We've got specific things that we can go and work on and improve. And we've been making progress over the last uh, 12 months or so. So there, we're on the right track. And so the, uh, the thing that would make sense, well, it's absolutely reasonable, especially, David Eby, if you're listening, let us see out the term. Like, let's have a referendum. Why should, uh, why should a, a single a backroom deal uh, be the reason why we remove a layer of government and remove elected officials? 
you would want to have that as a referendum at the next election. And that's three years away. And that's, that's what, uh, so we're hoping that the province at least has that sensibility. I mean, it is, uh, it is a provincial like election year. So are they really, is this the, the hill they want to die on? Uh, uh, helping, you know, uh, helping uh, Vancouver change without like proper due process? Welcome back to the show. If you're just joining us, we are speaking to Brennan Bastiavansky, Vancouver Park Board Independent Commissioner. He's uh, uh, been kind enough to stay an extra segment uh, to talk a little bit about the changes today. If you're just joining us, Mayor Ken Sim uh, says he's moving forward to eliminate the 135-year-old Vancouver Park Board. He said he will bring a motion uh, to council next week to ask the province to amend the Vancouver Charter and which would effectively bring parks and recs, recreational services under the oversight of City Council. Of course, this is a surprise to his own ABC colleagues, uh, but the mayor says uh, he is moving forward. Now, Brennan, uh, we were talking about, um, uh, you know, whether City Hall runs uh, parks and recreation or a park board and why it's unique here in Vancouver. Um, in regards to how the mayor and council look at a particular piece or a particular project or a particular uh, issue in, let's say, one of the communities in Vancouver, one of the neighborhoods there. Because I want to find out what would, you know, with, with council doing what they're doing, how could their view sometimes lead to a bad decision compared to, let's say, a park board looking at it? Yeah, so there. I mean, let's let's look at South Van. Okay. Uh, South Van is is uh, an under an underserved community. Like no one argues that they deserve a lot of love from the city, mm-hmm. and they just haven't had it for a long time. And there were different uh, there were different views about how we uh, about how we uh, show them love. Uh, the the way that the park board operates is like we do uh, public engagements. We we go we have a look to see what's appropriate at a field, and there's a whole process that goes on in terms of like how to make decisions and what sorts of like amenities go in a park. What council have done uh, to completely bypass all that process is to give money specifically for a turf field at Moberly Park. Now we need we need turf fields for sure. But the thing is, is that uh, even though, like in today's press conference, uh, you know, they're saying that um, they're going to protect green space. But the thing is, they want to put a turf field on a grass field. They want to take that grass field away from, a, from an elementary school on top of that. And they want to put stadium lighting across the street from, in a residential neighborhood. And they want to turn a neighborhood park into a destination park that's only got like a, a small bit of parking. It's going gonna, it's gonna to completely transform the neighborhood. And it's not in the way that they intend. When the community that the park board's listening to is things like we go and do surveys, we go and do public engagement, we've even done multi-language ones, including like Punjabi and stuff like that in that neighborhood and all the different cultural sites around. And they want a walking track. They want an up, they want, apparently um, uh, cricket is really big in the uh, South Asian community. And so they were thinking maybe that would be a really awesome thing to have at Moberly instead. Um, and then you've also got uh, the, uh, the Vancouver Field Sports Federation, which is a representation of like 60,000 field sports users. And they've asked for it to not be at Moberly. They actually want the turf field to be at Oak Park. There's already lights. The ground is stable and flat. There's a, there's a a community center there. Now there's going to be a better one put in. There's Mm -hmm. a field house. There's lots of parking. And even the, uh, even the field hockey uh, association that um, was originally looking, they were advocating for a field. Even they have uh, demonstrated and confirmed that they wanted at Oak Park. And that is where the money that the park board would put the money because it's a gravel field. 
and the park board's field sports strategy is about taking gravel fields and upgrading them into turf fields. And uh, this morning, they're promising not to take any, any green space away. And yet here we are waiting for them to shoehorn in a turf field on a grass space in a neighborhood that's, that's uh, on a slope. Even the park board uh, geotechnical results said it's on a slope. You're going to have to put a concrete barrier right down the middle of this field in order to hold it up. So it gets politicized very quickly in regards to councillors who are probably overwhelmed by other issues, plus this. It, you're, not, you're not spending the time and due diligence that's required to make the right decision in your That's life. right. They say, look, this, need, this neighbourhood needs some money. Let's put money. What do they want? That's the easiest thing. Let's just go and do it. And meanwhile, the, all the people that are in that area, there's like 40 houses that are going to be directly impacted by having stadium lighting across the street from their house. And they didn't even want to go and talk to them. They're like, yeah, we did when we were door knocking. And we're like, that is not a verifiable process. Did you ever feel as a commissioner pressured uh, by council or uh, the mayor's office or political staff to vote a certain way? Yes. Yes, we did. What issue? Uh, look, there was a couple, uh, you know, they, and we wanted to work in alignment, right? We don't want to caucus. That's not what we were about, but we really wanted to uh, find some common ground. And so we could find a middle ground. So maybe everybody was like a little, at least a little bit unhappy. That's how you know you're, you're doing stuff. But the thing is, is like those that are more moderate uh, commissioners, uh, we, we didn't have a voice. We, we kept saying, I thought this was a big tent. You know, why, why are only the conservative uh, members being listened to? And so it was really frustrating that, you know, as, no matter how many laps I did of, the, of uh, Stanley Park on my bike or uh, to get a sense of, like, where we could really have an impact on having, like, safety infrastructure, they, like, the Conservative Party just didn't – sorry, that's a slipped out. They, um, the party, um, the party uh, said, no, like, we have to go back to bare bones. And, uh, and I was like, I know, but we have an opportunity because we're not going to have money next year to put in a bike lane. And we were promised by, by mayor and council that there would be money for a bike lane. And then a year later, like, surprise, surprise, there's no, bi- there's no money for a bike lane. And now we're like... So you felt pressure on the bike lane decision. Uh, there was a lot of pressure on that. I also knew, you know, like it was a hot top, uh, topic issue. 70% of the city wanted the bike lane gone or they wanted it. They didn't like it because they didn't follow process. That was the thing. Temporary is okay. You know, and it's kind of interesting as an example because the park board, the only reason why the park, the bike lane in Stanley Park was only temporary was because the commissioners that were on there uh, argued that and, and made agreement that they could make it as temporary. In the city side, the, which the bike lane on Beach Avenue was made permanent. It's poured concrete, no discussion. No one was allowed to say anything. Now, I like the Beach Avenue. I like, I, I ride my bike. I rode my bike here today. I like mm-hmm. bike lanes. But that's the example where you've now got no, no one had a voice in the city of whether or not a bike lane would be put in during the pandemic. And in the, in the, the temporary bike lane that went in at Stanley Park, we were able to remove it because of the good work that the commissioners did. Um, are there any savings in this, in your mind, they're going to, the mayor was hinting that there's going to be lots of savings. Uh, what savings do you think there's going to be in regards to getting rid of the park board? Uh, so the only savings they're going to make is the the uh, the stipend that they give the commissioners. So uh, commissioners get about like twenty grand a year. So you're talking about saving about one hundred forty thousand dollars. The cost of the transition is going to like be ten x that. Like it's going to be incredibly expensive to be able to move away from that. It's going to take them ten years to recover that cost. Like this is not a this is not a, a cash savings. The reason why the infrastructure is uh, is crumbling in Vancouver is nothing to do with the way the park board is managing it. 
Um, because again, like half, you know, half the revenue comes from the user fees, but, and it's not about the structure. Uh, it's actually that, uh, that the council is underfunding park board to the tune of $20 million. At, uh, in the last two years, uh, Ken Sim has increased uh, property tax by 18%. And, and, and there was no, there was no, or next to nothing for parks. Do you see ABC surviving? Uh, the way that they've carried on with this, absolutely not. No, one-term mayor. Now, I really had faith that ABC was going to turn a corner and going to be like this long-term vision for the city, and then they pull a stunt like this, and it's just inexperienced. You, like, a year in, like, you haven't even given us a chance. You're trying to do it with a backdoor deal. Like, it's an election year for the, for the province, um, and this is not something they want to get caught up in. So I don't think the province necessarily knew how, how, hot, uh, how much of a hot-butt decision this is going to be. Um, my final question to you here, uh, just in regards to all of this, what happens with you for the next meeting? Like you, you're not ABC, you sit as an independent? Oh, yeah, I'm, an ind- I'm, an in- I'm independent, and I'm the chair of the park board. So this example today, uh, ABC threw away the majority they had in park board today, carelessly. So would you work with the Greens then? Yeah, uh, Commissioner Digby is, what I like about Commissioner Digby is that he follows process. So he's, he's open to debate. Uh, we, can, we, we look at things from different angles. We follow a process. We listen to staff. We listen to the community. We can come up with something. Um, the, the three conservative members, uh, like, that's not how they operate. Brennan, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I know it's a difficult day for you. really appreciate you coming in. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Welcome back to the show. If you're just joining us, uh, we spent the first hour, a good chunk of it, talking about uh, Mayor Ken Sim today, announcing the desire to eliminate the 135-year-old Vancouver Park Board. Mr. Sim said a motion will be brought to council next week to ask the province to amend the Vancouver Charter and to effectively bring parks and recreation services under the oversight of city council. Uh, now, as I said, the uh, Park Board is 135 years old. It was first established in 1888 to help oversee um Stanley Park, Vancouver's Parks and Rec uh, assets, by the way, include 250 public parks and beaches, which include Stanley Park, Van Dusen Botanical Garden, Bloedel Conservatory, 24 community centres, swimming pools, rinks and arenas, sports playing fields, playgrounds, fitness centres, three championship golf courses, uh, street trees and marinas. So quite a bit there. Um, Now, prior to um, this hour, we spoke to Brennan Bestiavansky. He is the independent Vancouver Park Board Chair and Commissioner. Uh, He was ABC... uh, 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 chair, but uh, as of today, he is independent, as he said. He did not pull any punches in the first hour in regards to uh, the decision made by Mayor Ken Sim uh, and uh, the Vancouver councillors. They'll be voting uh, on the motion soon, but in regards to today's press conference, he was not invited along with two other um, commissioners, uh, but he did not hold back on what Mr. Sim is doing, and he talked about the virtues of the park board. Uh, I did ask him a very simple, blunt question. I asked him, do you have faith in Ken Sim's ability to lead? Uh, Take a listen. Do you have faith in Ken Sim as a leader for the city? Uh, uh, Maybe ask me a different question. Uh, Look, when I met Ken, uh, I was impressed, right? He's a business guy. I'm a business guy. You know, I, I had faith in him. And he looked me in the eye and, and, and he, he made a promise that I'd be able to finish my term as a commissioner. That he had, he had uh, walked back that whole thing about uh, abolishing the park board. And I, you know what? I believed him. 
and I, I feel like an idiot for, for believing him. And I'm heartbroken that not only did Ken uh, do a backflip uh, on that, uh, but he's forcing the, the ABC counselors to do it too. And, and so uh, I, I'm, I'm, I am like, it's just unconscionable that, the, uh, that they would do that. And so I feel really betrayed. And I know a lot of people in the city feel that way as well. That is Brennan Bastiavansky, the Independent Vancouver Park Board Chair. Well, joining me now is someone who knows a park board very well. It's John Cooper, former Vancouver Park Board Commissioner and Chair as well. John, thank you for joining us. Well, thanks very much, uh, Jazz. I was expecting to be uh, a retiring politician and uh, recovering and uh, here I am back at it. <laughs> back at it again. <laughs> that is the nature of uh, of um, of uh, politics. No where, no matter where where you go, uh, you heard yeah. Brennan Bestyavansky there. First of all, your thoughts on his comments uh, in regards to whether or not he had he had any faith in Ken Sh- Ken Sims' leadership. Well, I you know I it's hard to hear, and I I think that uh, he made it very clear that he doesn't. And uh, but one of the things that concerns me most is that, you know, for three the first three years we had a uh, we didn't have an elected board, and in 1890 we uh, put forward an elected park board. So in all those years of all those different mayors, all those different councillors, going back 135 years, they've all come to see the value that the park board brings to the city. And now we have a new rookie mayor who has never had political office before, has very little grounding in uh, public policy, in uh, working with the community, and he's making a decision contrary to what he was elected on. And that's obviously very concerning, I think, to a lot of residents of Vancouver. What do you say to those listening? You're going to go, wait a minute here. Uh, we've got a region of 2.8 million people. Vancouver represents about 25% of that population. 75% of the population lives in municipalities that have park departments that are run by city halls. A city, uh, city like Surrey, which calls itself the city of parks, doesn't have a park board. Why can't Vancouver manage its assets just like every other municipality uh, in, in the region and, and across the country? Why is, what makes Vancouver so special? Well, I've heard that again and again, and there are a couple of things that that are different. One of the things is our community center model, which is basically the community centers are basically individual nonprofits, and they run those centers to the benefit of Vancouver residents, and they're very adept at adapting programs to the individual communities. There's tremendous volunteer hours, tremendous volunteer work that goes into those boards and running those centers. And a few years ago, if you recall, there was a city manager, Penny Palum, mm-hmm. who really tried to take control of the community centers. And the pushback was incredible because the community was not happy with that. The other thing is, is we are not just an in an, an inland park. We're a park that's on the ocean. And the, the things that the park board has brought over the years, the seawall, you know, I was speaking to a former commissioner uh, who'd been on, on, on the board a number of years ago. And he was talking to me about the uh, north side of False Creek. All those parks, David Lamb Park, George Wayneborn Park, it was the park board who negotiated those directly with the developer. Those parks were built at no cost to Vancouver residents. And those are two of our premier waterfront parks. So there's a legacy that's a little different. And if you look at Vancouver and say you look at Surrey, no disrespect to Surrey, I don't think you could say there's any comparison between the uh, the parks here and there. And, and Queen Elizabeth Park is another example. 
you know, here's a, what was a commercial rock quarry has been turned into basically uh, the equivalent of Bouchard Gardens. And that's, that's the legacy of the park board. And I think that's something worth valuing. Now, but could those? Uh, can I just jump in one second, John? Yeah, John, could could sure. could that not have been done by a city hall, though? I mean, to say, okay, you've got independent nonprofits in the community centers. I remember covering that story when Penny Ballum yeah. um, was uh, working for the city at the time. Can you tell me that those community centers are any better run than the ones in Port Coquitlam, or the North Shore, or in Surrey, or in Langley? Well, they're certainly more community based, and I, and I think that's that's part of the value there. But, it, you know, the, the thing is, it's the way this is being done. Mm-hmm. You know, here you've got these elected commissioners who mm-hmm. have been elected by the, by the public. And, and you've got a mayor who arbitrarily is saying, we're going to get rid of him. During the election, he went back. He said he wasn't going to do this, as, as the chair just said earlier. This is a really a backroom deal. And if he was so proud of it, why didn't he tell? He didn't even talk to his, the commissioners, didn't even find out till 5 o'clock. Three of them got removed from the party by a tweet from the uh, chief of staff, Trevor Ford, who is on record, by the way, of wanting to go after Langara Golf Course for housing. You know, it's a, this is the, the, the protection the park board offers as well is it takes a two-thirds majority of both park board uh-huh. and the city council to take a permanent park out of inventory. You take away that protection, even though Ken says, oh, I'll put something in that'll make it okay doesn't work that way. A, a board uh, council now cannot fetter a future board. So that means his, his promise to protect parklands is about the same as his promise to protect the park board. I am, I will say, you know, uh, whether you agree the city should have a park board or not, we can debate that. But I am absolutely surprised, uh, shocked at how ham-fisted the last 24, 48 hours has, has been on this issue in regards to making the announcement. Even listening to him in, uh, today at the press conference, listening to it live and talking about we're going to have to, you know, one out of four trees could die. Well, you know, that's got other, that's got, that's for other reasons. You know, we used to have the pine beetle up in the interior in the north. That killed millions of trees. It's got nothing to do with the Ministry of Forests. And uh, to, right. to, to argue that this park board yeah. uh, uh, had something to do with those trees. I mean, he was just stretching, just desperately grasping for something. I was a bit taken aback about how, yeah, how it was yeah. It was a bit amateur a, hour, wasn't it? This is a looper moth infestation uh, that's part of, you know, that happens in forests. And I think the park board is doing a good job. Certainly, they're going to have to remove trees. But, you know... The park board has the, the Stanley Park has been logged in the past, you know, before it was a park, and and it's and after the big blowdown, it was reforested. That's another thing. If you go back to when Ian Robertson was the chair, you know, he was able to raise a lot of money to uh, reforest Stanley Park after the big blowdown. And yeah. uh, you know, would the city council have the capacity to do that sort of thing? You know, um, I look at Van Dusen Gardens and say the Bloedel Conservatory, which were donations. That was the park board staff that actually went out and got that money. Would the would the city, you know, uh, have that lens to look through? Yeah. Um, I don't, you know, I don't think so. And um, so it's a big concern to me. And I, I was always very proud to be a park commissioner. I didn't always agree with what happened down there, but it is democracy, and it's democracy right down to the neighborhood level. Yeah. And uh, I think that's something we should value. John, uh, as always, I really appreciate your time. And uh, I know uh, you wanted to be a recovering politician, but issues like this, I'm glad uh, you've come out of retirement even for for a few minutes to talk to us because I think it's a, it's a, a conversation worth having, certainly. Thanks so much for your time. 
Thank you very much, Jess. Well, Abbotsford uh, police recently said that they had become aware of multiple businesses receiving similar letters demanding they pay money in exchange for protection from future violence. Uh, recently, there was also uh, shots fired at Arcade Jewelers and Surrey's Pile Business Center. Uh, Surrey RCMP said in a press statement that they have become aware of extortion uh, targeting business owners throughout the Lower Mainland, and they're encouraging anyone who may be a victim to call police as well. Uh, the Abbotsford police say some of the um, letters, uh, there's a similar MO uh, in all of them. They target affluent members of the South Asian community. They, they contact victims using WhatsApp and uh, they speak Hindi. Uh, the suspects know the victim's name, phone number, addresses, and business information as well. Uh, and all of them are believed to be associated, associated with a gang in India called Lawrence Bishnoi Gang. Uh, and it is a growing uh, concern in those communities, especially the South Asian community in the Fraser Valley, uh, that there uh, is this group uh, from India uh, going after uh, affluent individuals and businesses in the South Asian community and demanding thousands and thousands of dollars for protection. Joining me now to talk about the issue is Gurpreet Singh. He's an independent journalist and talk show host for Spice Radio. Gurpreet, thank you for joining us today. Well, yes, thanks for having me. Thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate that. Uh, let's touch on uh, the issue in Abbotsford first and foremost. Um, there were, to my understanding, two families uh, that I, I understand their homes were shot at, and there was also an, an arson at a business as well. Uh, and so the, in this case, it looks like, from what the police say, there are extortion attempts? Yeah, that's what we have been hearing uh, for for the last several weeks now. Um, not only just in Abbotsford, also in Surrey. And uh, there was also reports of some, some kind of uh, criminal activities happening in White Rock. Mm. So apparently no community is permanently safe. No community is immune. We are hearing these stories coming from here and there. What is my concern at this time that uh, there might be some kind of uh, international uh, group of criminal criminals, which is active in Canada, mm. and they are behind this, because as, as people are saying that the messages they are receiving, they are mostly in Hindi, and there's a letter going around, which has uh, the, um, uh, which has in there the slogan, Jai Ram. So, those kind of things, that raise a lot of red flags here and there. Mm. So, we need to f- figure out who could be behind this. So, I want to confirm here, uh, the Abbotsford Police Department's major crime unit is invest going in ongoing extortion involving the residents of two families. You had mentioned there were other attempts in Surrey as well. Uh, there have been, a, a, I believe, um, shootings as well of um, the homes of prominent uh, Punjabi singers uh, in Surrey yeah. as well. And then the extortion letter, which I have before me, uh, these individuals are, in, are asking for $2 million in cash be sent to right. India. Um, what is causing this at this moment uh, here in Vancouver? Is it just the increased affluence of the South Asian community, is, or is it something else? Well, you know what, this can be linked to what happened uh, in Surrey recently, in the month of June, when Hadeep Singh Major, the president of Surrey, Delta Gurdwara, was assassinated. So around that time, we saw uh, how India and Canada, they were... Um, exchanging, uh, I mean, blaming each other, right? Mm-hmm. We saw how the, the two countries uh, developed a cold kind of uh, relationship. 
so now what is happening after that we are hearing the name of the so called lawrence vishnoi gang which could be behind these extortion attempts or could be behind these letters because one of the associates of that group actually claimed responsibility on social media for the incident of firing outside the house of dipti garewal which is a prominent punjabi singer any so dipti garewal here in the lower mainland i have no no knowledge was he here at that point of time but he is basically traveling between india and canada quite often but i mean the shooting so, itself was at his residence here that, in the in yeah, metro vancouver his, yes yes his residence here in metro vancouver that's how, right how long ago did that when did that take place i would say maybe a week ago it's not very long ago mm-hmm. so this incident happens and somebody from the so called lawrence bishnoi group claims responsibility on social media and lawrence bishnoi is sitting in the indian jail giving interviews to media channels and making these kind of claims even in the past because that group is uh, accused of being behind the assassination of uh, sidhu musewala another so, singer so so i mean yeah. you, we've got this mix of singers um uh, punjabi singers who have uh, had their homes shot at uh one of them murdered which what you're saying here is potentially to threaten them or to extort money from them you have affluent members of south asian community business leaders who right. uh are also uh, being threatened and I'm, my understanding is they're contacted through whatsapp and uh the person making the contact or the call the criminal uh, is speaking hindi and they and they know the victim's name their phone numbers their addresses their business information and they're demanding large quantities uh, of dollars right. and currency to be sent to india so my question is but why today why now why is this happening here in the lower mainland we've always had a sizable south asian community uh, it's always yes. been known to work hard and and yes there are affluent people within them and with that with all communities but why to, yeah. why now is do you think this is happening here yeah that's what i'm trying to understand and that's why i'm trying to put things in in uh, in perspective because after hari singh major was assassinated the the right wing indian media was portraying canada as a safe haven for extremists and uh, criminals and it suits them right if those activities actually rise it suits them right i mean it serves their interest mm-hmm. secondly it's, it's, it could be another way of uh, conveying a message to the um, what we say so called anti india voices that uh, we, we are watching you right so hadif singh the way he was killed after that uh, the fingers were pointed at indian government and now these uh, gangsters especially the lawrence bishnoi group he is being propped up by the indian state which many observers have noticed he is being propped up by the indian state to convey a message to the khalistanis and the so called separatists that here we have somebody who is like a hindu face to answer answer you something like that so you cannot pos- uh, rule out that possibility uh, now gurpreet there seems to be obviously an ongoing campaign against people uh, that are living here business people who who are doing well here or singers who perform in india but live in vancouver but a very affluent group of people if we know uh, the gangsters in india and who their associates are whether it's in india or whether they have associates here in canada doing the dirty work how do we stop this how do we bring this to an end uh, certainly not but the and the canadian police needs to broaden its investigation they need to look into all possible angles do you they think they should it, uh, do you think this try to figure out how come these people are coming so easily to canada who is giving them the noc to travel outside the country how come they are getting passport and uh, coming to canada that's also a question need to be asked to the indian police mm-hmm. uh, there is in the past have been there's been much conversation about how the chinese government and through their proxies 
threaten Canadians and threaten uh, those that uh, um, oppose uh, the government in China. Um, it is not necessarily just an India thing. Obviously, a China China is part of this com- broader conversation. Um, do you think this country, this province, is capable to withstand that type of um, push from these emerging superpowers? Well, if uh, U.S. government can arrest somebody like Nikhil Gupta, who actually uh, was working at the behest of an Indian official, why can't uh, Canada do it? We can also have our undercover operations to get after these people. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at that. Gurmeet Singh Tour, the colleague of Hadith Major, was recently given a duty to warn notice. If you are giving this guy a duty to warn notice, apparently you know where this warning is coming from. Why can't you arrest those people and mm-hmm. put them behind bars? Yeah, and simple I, as that. I think as Canadians listen to this, whether you're part of the broader South Asian community or Canadian or non-South Asian community, uh, you know, it's it's frustrating to hear that, that this kind of nonsense is going on in this country. It is meddling right. to a certain degree, um, and, and it is allowed to go on. Um, so you think that at the end of the day, Canada's just got to be a lot tougher against India uh, and those that are somehow managed to get uh, passports and, and ultimately visas into Canada? No, definitely they need to be a little bit aggressive. I mean, if uh, like it, it appears that U.S. police is more resourceful and aggressive than us. That's why Nikhil Gupta is uh, now has been indicted, and they have come out with this uh, um, uh, scenario where we are see- hearing that the Indian official was involved, and Hadith Singh's name was mentioned in the indictment. So this this is something which is which should wake wake up our police and our authorities here in Canada. And I just want to share with you just one telling comment from mm-hmm. a former Delta police officer who sees me almost every day at a gym. He says, you know what, generally in the police circle, we joke that if you want to commit serious crime, you can commit something in Canada, but never do it and never do that in the U.S. You will be in big time trouble. Mm-hmm. So it's a telling comment coming from a police officer, a former police officer. Mm-hmm. And, you were, and you were talking about the individual that was caught who was also attempting to kill somebody uh, in the United States. Uh, just as, he was uh, trying to get, uh, kill Kurpan Singh Pannu, the man who is associated with Hardeep Singh Major's group Six for Justice. Yeah, and so it, it is amazing that, you know, this is below the surface, but it has been going on uh, in Vancouver for the last month or so, and it continues to go, as as you say, it continues to happen. Um, Gurpreet, as always, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me, Yes, I really appreciate that. So we spent a lot of time on this show talking about the Vancouver Park Board today. Mayor Ken Sim uh, moved forward to eliminate the 135-year-old institution. Mr. Sim uh, said an emotion, a motion would be brought to, to council next week to ask the province, ask the province to amend the Vancouver Charter and to effectively bring parks and recreation services under the oversight of City Council. We spoke to Brennan Bastiovansky, uh, who is uh, the uh, the Vancouver Park Board chair. Uh, as the ABC Vancouver Park Board Chair. He is now an independent, as he told us. Joining us now is Scott Jensen, uh, who is also a Vancouver Park Board Commissioner. And generally, when I would introduce Mr. Jensen, it would be ABC Vancouver Park Board Commissioner. Scott, first of all, welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you for having myself today. Uh, not a problem. Uh, so how should I introduce you? Would, would you be an independent Vancouver Park Board Commissioner then? I believe so. I think that uh, the tweet that was shared earlier today, or X, by uh, Commissioner Christensen um, shows that uh, 
having a diversity of views is not really accepted at this point in time by uh, ABC and that uh, they don't want, uh, you know, Commissioner Bassi-Avancy, Commissioner Christensen, nor I uh, involved in anything park board related moving forward. Was this a surprise to you? Sometimes you can read the tea leaves or, or, or in this case, was this a complete surprise for you? This was a complete surprise to me. Um, I was made aware yesterday at 6 p.m. of uh, the mayor's uh, decision to bring a motion forward on uh, December 13th. Um, and, uh, you know, as you know, I, I, I have a, a full-time job as well. And so, um, you know, I was told in no uncertain terms, you, you are either with us or against us. So if you are not at uh, the press conference uh, at 10 a.m. in the morning, that, uh, you know, you are no longer welcome in this party. And um, so, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, I do put my career first and uh, I did do that. And I went to work today and, um, you know, I uh, had a great day with my students. And uh, but, you know, the the consequence to that is that, uh, you know, my opinion will no longer be valid in ABC. What's the difference of those three that were at the press conference and the three of you that weren't uh, at the press conference, what do you think you three represented that um, they, uh, as a council, as staff, didn't didn't want around? You know what? I'm not sure. Um, you know, had ABC stated that you know we understand that uh, you you can't be at this press conference due to your your commitment to your your class and to your students, um, you know, maybe you know, we we wouldn't be speaking the way we're speaking right now. Um, you know, but one of the, the commissioners that was on the podium today that, uh, you know, was st- standing there um, supporting Ken Sim in this announcement, uh, you know, just a month ago, uh, shared on LinkedIn that they're proud as, uh, as their one year uh, anniversary as a park board commissioner um, and that uh, so proud of the ABC team's achievements to date um, that we put the Stanley Park train back on track. We saved the Jericho Pier. We protected our public golf courses from redevelopment, made permanent the right to responsibly drink alcohol in our parks, and successfully piloted a similar plan for our beaches. And that they finished by saying there's more to come um, as we continue with Think Big. Um, you know, this is a, a, a commissioner that I agree with, that we did do a lot of great work this year. And, um, you know, I was really disappointed that um, in this rush to make this decision, neither myself nor Commissioner Baskiewansky, um, were asked our thoughts. You know, I've been the chair, f- um, well, I am the chair for the year 2024. Uh, Commissioner Baskiewansky is the elected chair for 2025. Um, but we could have brought a lot of insight to this decision. And I was t- really disappointed that, um, you know, Ken, uh, Mayor Sim did not reach out to us and ask us our opinions, um, our insights, our thoughts. Uh, had he asked, you know, I would have told him of the value of the park board, uh, how it gives voice to many in the city that don't have voices uh, through the, the regular city channels. Um, and it advocates for our green space. So, um, you know, I think the park board is a very valued uh, institution. Um, there's a reason why it's been around for 100 years. And, um, you know, I'm going to be you know, working to support the park board um, until my term ends. Uh, I'm curious, why do you think this this decision was made now? Like it, something has to bring it on. You're, you're just over a year in office. You say you've got some successes. Um, what would uh, push Mayor Ken Sim and someone on the council to say, we're going to do this, 
We're going to split up our coalition on the park board and our majority. We're going to cause havoc within this coalition that is ABC. What compelled them? Do you know what caused this now? No, I don't. And, you know, when I had a chance to speak with, uh, well, when I had a chance to listen to Mayor Sim yesterday, um, the opportunity for that type of interaction was not present. Um, And so I don't know why this decision is being made now. I do know that, uh, you know, this council is going to be presenting another uh, tax increase to, you know, the city. um, And, um, you know, that could be something, again, you know, let's, divert everyone's eyes and, and look at this park board issue. It certainly has dominated the news today. Um, and uh, we're going to forget about the, the tax increase that is going to be passed along to you know, all the taxpayers in, in the city. Um, that's just my conjecture, but um, I think that's a great question to ask the mayor. And, um, you know, for at this point in time, again, I was only made aware of this decision yesterday and it wasn't a, uh, an interactive uh, conversation. It was, this is what's happening. And thank you very much. So you think this, and like I said, this is conjecture on your part, but you believe it's a mayor that uh, obviously ran uh, as, a, as a business owner, fiscal conservative. He's brought in two pretty big property tax increases, significant property tax increases. And this uh, perhaps distracts voters potentially, uh, or at least allows them to focus their attention and the media's attention on something else beyond these significant property taxes uh, that uh, Vancouver taxpayers have to absorb. That's what I'm seeing on Twitter, um, or X as we call it now. Um, I, I can't speak for, for Mayor Sim, but uh, again, a great question as to why now. But you, but again, is that what you think? All but, of the accomplishments that we've done. Yeah, but Scott, I'm just I saying that's say, what you, you know, think? We had our, um, it, it makes sense. It, it rings the bell with me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, what would you say to the argument that, look, municipalities throughout Metro Vancouver, throughout British Columbia, have parks uh, and recreation departments run by City Hall? They're run effectively. Most people are happy with their parks and rec departments. We're no matter where you live in Vancouver. Why is Vancouver any different? Why can it not uh, in its parks be run by uh, City Hall? Again, that's a, that's a great comment. I think that um, to change an institution like the Park Board, I think that's a, an, an electionable issue. And I think you know, had Ken stood by his initial statement that... Uh, sorry, I need to call Mayor Sim. Uh, Mayor Sim stood by his initial um, promise that he was going to abolish the park board, and he ran on that park board uh, or ran on that promise. Um, I think that would be fair that uh, he had a mandate to do this. Um, I think that this is a great first promise for 2026 uh, for the uh, re-election campaign for Mayor Sim. But a decision of this scope and this magnitude, I think, deserves to have the the people, the residents of Vancouver, have their voice heard. And um, other municipalities, they have been able to do this quite effectively, yes. However, there's also many decisions that are being made in other uh, jurisdictions 
that are not including the voices of their of the neighbors of the community and so there are a lot of major decisions that just get swept into the big business of that municipality and people don't have a chance to raise their voice and have their opinions heard in a way that the park board does for vancouver rights and i think it's a very valuable tool uh are there any savings in this for taxpayers in vancouver um honestly i i wouldn't uh, I, I would leave that to again Mayor Sim to answer that question. But uh, I, but I mean, you have a good sense of it. <laughs> You're the chair. Uh, you know, yeah, I understand your salaries, job. but w- there's got to be some savings. Would, I mean, beyond just the commissioners not being paid, they're gone. I understand that. But you yeah. still you still need all those employees to take care of the parks. You still need planning. Do you know how much how much would be saved beyond just no more commissioners? Uh, no, and it, again, it really depends on what. Um, this change does mean to the cutting of the park board and this does open that up you know this is not just uh the removal of of seven park board commissioners and again our salaries are uh not that uh, significant again we all have full-time jobs this is a part-time uh volunteer you know pretty <laughs> i was about to say volunteer but it is a, a part-time uh opportunity so those savings are minuscule and so you know really the questions to be asked are where are you going to find all of these savings what are you going to be cutting and uh, are citizens are residents going to have a say in what is being cut by this uh by this new entity that's going to be managing the park board and so you know right now over this last year we've seen our revenues increase we, we've done a lot of great work so um we feel that we've done our due diligence to help um, move things forward in a positive way for for the city. Uh, we've invested a lot into our infrastructure. You know, we're, we've uh, met and um, are trying to meet all of our our campaign promises. And uh, but again, we've done our, our the heavy lifting on our side. And uh, you know, a month ago we celebrated a year in office. The first two things that uh, Mayor Sim celebrated with uh, everybody uh, were park board accomplishments. And so. You know, when we when we talk about the park board, there's been a lot of great successes this year. And, and again, our bottom line has improved, and we're going to continue to work hard to in, improve the bottom line uh, to help make sure that we can invest in our city. Scott, as always, thanks for your time. Thank you very much. A pleasure, Jess. Thanks for listening to the Jazz Joe Hall Show podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can always listen to the Jazz Joe Hall Show live Monday to Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. on 980 CKNW and connect with me on Twitter at Jazz Joe Hall BC. Talk to you next time.